This is the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. All right. Well, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Uh, this is part of our agency success interviews series uh, where we interview highly successful digital marketing agency owners from across the country. And today I'm super excited to be interviewing Michael Tasner from No Joke Marketing. Um, Michael, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Always happy to be here and support Josh and, and all things Seven Figure Agency, especially with all that he's done for, for myself and everyone listening. Um, so I run uh, an agency, as Josh said, called uh, No Joke Marketing. Um, we're virtual, so we're 100% virtual. Uh, I physically am based in Buffalo, New York, as you can tell by the beautiful bridge behind me. <laughs> Advantage, I guess, of a, having a green screen is you can teleport to wherever you'd like. It works nicely. Definitely, definitely. So I've been in, in the agency game since I was 15, so kind of um, on and off again. But uh, through the, the first agency that I started was called Taz Solutions. Uh, and that was over 15, you say? I yeah. can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah, definitely. And just uh, can't get enough of all things uh, agencies and marketing and, and so on. So Very cool. So so full service digital marketing agency based in Buffalo. Um, do you kind of talk high level about the revenue of the company? What size operation you run at this point? Yeah, so we work um, primarily in the childcare niche. Uh, so that's a niche we work with daycare centers, childcare centers, typically multi-locations. Uh, and that makes up about 50 plus percent of our, our revenue and clients. Um, and the other is just kind of the legacy stuff that, that most agency owners at least initially seem to seem to have and just different niches and businesses. Uh, anyone that typically says, hey, I, I want to do some marketing or could use some help as long as they have the budget, uh, at least historically, um, not necessarily in the last six months, but historically before that, we would take their business. Um, uh, but we we definitely are a seven figure agency, um, and a lot of a lot of that, that thanks really goes to Josh and just the structure and systems. And I'm happy to give more of that stuff out as well. But um, happy to to be part of the seven figure agency club, so to speak. So, well, I mean, it's a massive accomplishment, and kudos for you to to, to kind of get there. I know that you you had a successful agency, and then you sold it, and you started again, yeah. and it was uh, I think probably like a three year journey. Um, to this back to this kind of level, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely took took some time, but I, I think what I realized with the first agency was, um, and that first agency got to seven figures as well, um, but I did everything wrong. Uh, yeah. Every single thing was, so we didn't have a niche. So we had, give or take, I mean, 50 clients at a couple thousand dollars a, a month each, but we probably had 45 different niches. Uh, out of 50. So wow. we had, I mean, a, a huge financial advisory firm. Um, United Capital was, was a client of ours that had billions in assets to Joe the plumber, for example. I mean, it, we literally had just clients all over the place. And uh, it it never, never was able to, to scale to the point where I could see myself getting out of the business. Uh, I was literally still doing uh, all the strategy calls myself every single week. I never hired, we had kind of quote unquote account managers, but um, all the clients still wanted to work with me. 
and I just never, never was able to, to make that transition. So uh, my vow with the second agency was to make sure I, I actually did things the right way. So mm. focus on the niche and focus on systems and processes and all of that good stuff. Well, it's great to get there to get there twice, right? One time kind of like scattered and this time, you know, a little more structure, a little bit more systematized, obviously more niche focused. How long did it take to get to seven figures in the first attempt? And then how long in this second attempt? I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, the, the first attempt, it probably took me, I mean, five, six years. Okay. Uh, we we kind of capped out at $600,000, dollars $700,000 and uh, then we were able to, I did a lot of speaking back then. I still do a lot of speaking. Um, and I was able to, to go and secure, I mean, magically about $100,000 a month of reoccurring revenue from one speaking gig that I did. Wow. Um, so that then we kind of finally pushed that mark. And the, the second go around took about two and a half, three years. Nice. So it's same kind of thing. But I, I initially built No Joke Marketing as more of a lifestyle business. Mm. So I, I really didn't intend on scaling it um, to seven figures and hopefully eight figures. Um, but I kind of made that decision the last year and a half, two years that, um, I mean, a lifestyle business is great, but unless it's feeding your entire lifestyle, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's never going to get to that level. So um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of that piece. Excellent. So you were able to, to, to kind of make that happen twice now, uh, this time with a completely virtual team. That's that's awesome. You know, before we go too deep, I'd love to hear, you know, you said you started when you were 15. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what kind of things you were doing in your in your infancy, sort of speaking in, in the agency? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was kind of kind of fun in the sense of uh, I really didn't grow up with much money. My, my parents are both blue collar. They both worked for the county. Um, so kind of civil servant kind of positions, uh, which helps when you go to retire because you get a nice pension and uh, insurance for the for the rest of your life. But um, they both work jobs that they weren't really thrilled with. Um, and I realized that if I wanted to not even just have the finer things in life, but if I wanted to be able to buy another pair of Nike sneakers, for example, because my friends had three pairs of Nikes and I had the the ones from last year, for example, that I had to come up with some way to to make some extra cash. Uh, So I I tried doing the whole, you go work, not at fast food, but I worked at uh, Eckerd Drugs, which uh, I think got bought out by Rite Aid or Walgreens or whatnot. But I'm like making whatever it was, $5 an hour, $5.15, and you work 40 hours and your paycheck's like $150 or something. And it was fine, but I'm like, how is this going to scale? So um, I went to the public library and found a huge book on um, website design and in, in particular front page. Mm, uh, front page, the good old days. Yeah. So in, in those days, uh, the CDs were in the back of the books. <laughs> so literally took out the CD, plopped it into one of the computers there because we couldn't afford a computer at that time and just kind of read the book and taught myself front page, which I mean, if anyone knows front page, I mean, it's drop and drag. And so then I went on eBay and I bought some templates. Actually, I don't have it in front of me, but I, it was one of those like thousand and one fonts and clip arts, like the little, like you've got mailed animated jit, like 
the, the ugliest stuff, but like 20 plus year or 20 years ago, I mean, this was, everybody wanted a website. Mm. So all that I did then from there, I went and put up a flyer at the post office and said, do you want to be on the web? I can make it happen. And put my, uh, my parents' phone number because I didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. And uh, within two days, I got a phone call uh, for a tax lady. Hmm. And her name was Wanda Gates. And the, the crazy thing is back then, I probably could have had like any domain name I wanted. And just being a kid, literally I was 15, 16. And I go, oh, well, let's, let's do something fun. So we, we registered IWandaDoYourTaxes.com, like stupidest domain name ever. When I probably could have had like NYTax.com. Right, that would have been a super valuable asset in the future. Right? So registers like, oh, I love it. And so, and then I went back to the library and she said, well, how much is it going to cost? And I said, uh, $1,200. I completely made up a number. Oh, that sounds cheap. And cut me a check for the whole thing. I mean, that was, I mean, more money That's than money for a 15 year old. 1200 bucks. So um, I used that to buy my first computer, nice. uh, a Quantex, uh, which is out of business now, but bought my first computer and registered an AOL email and uh, just kind of started growing a little bit from there. I mean, back then, again, it was, you could put the whole, put up a website and I mean, you were number one in Google for SEO and the whole keyword stuffing and all of that. So like Buffalo web design, I, I was number one without doing any work. Um, and it really just kind of, kind of grew from there. I mean, I, I made some pretty good money at, at that age and continued doing it through college, uh, but really kind of pivoted mo more to uh, the marketing side. So I, I still tried to dabble in websites, but I'm not a programmer. I mean, I, I, I can't, program to this day. I mean, I can't even program CSS, uh, but I then taught myself Dreamweaver was the other program. So I kind of uh, yeah. graduated from front page to Dreamweaver mm -hmm. and similar kind of bought templates and just kind of learned how to manipulate templates, uh, but kept doing a little bit of that and realizing though that the website game was changing faster than I could. I mean, people were coming out with a lot more nice looking stuff than, I mean, I, like, why does their site look so much better and yours doesn't really look that good? And right. I really didn't evolve with the times, but um, I pivoted almost everything then to, to marketing. So SEO and um, paid traffic mm. uh, was really the, the pivot. And uh, surprisingly, the and I, I know we'll talk about lead source for kind of where am I getting my leads now, but my number one lead source when I first started off or, or kind of not necessarily rated 15, but a few years thereafter was actually Craigslist. Really uh, interesting. And my secret sauce and probably still works today, but um, I would post in the barter section mm. and I would say willing to barter website design for dot, 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 or question mark. And some people, I mean, they had some pretty good stuff. So I bartered for coins, vacation rentals. I sent my parents to, uh, to a timeshare in Florida. So I, I got, I still have them. Some guy sent me like $3,000 metal detectors for a, a metal detector site. But then there were a lot of people that like, well, I don't have anything to barter, but what's the cash price? Or they'd say, well, I can give you a week at a timeshare. And then what's the, the rest of the cash? So I would kind of use the barter to disarm them. And then more often than not, it actually ended up turning into, into cash and nobody else is doing it. So that's kind of, 
um, that paid for my college tuition. Candidly, it was wow. all my, all the website stuff that I was just cranking out these websites at two thousand dollars or fifteen hundred bucks a pop, um, and just cranking them out. That's awesome. I'd love to hear. We get since we've got some people on with the slide. How many of you guys started with front page and Dreamweaver and some of these tools? I remember I was tooling around in, in front page when I was like uh, when I was like 16 and 17. So that that's funny. And so from these humble beginnings to, to a seven figure digital marketing agency, uh, you know, serving mostly like the local childcare space. You know, amazing. Kudos. Congratulations. Um, so I think you and I started working together about three years ago. What was it that you were looking to solve at that point? Were you just starting this new agency or kind of where were you at in your, in your development yeah, at that I, point? I've always been a huge believer in investing with coaches, masterminds, mentors, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had the first agency, I, I really didn't do that. Uh, the agency that I, or the group that I did join that was extremely impactful was EO, mm-hmm. uh, organization. Yeah. Um, but you're so you're surrounded by business owners doing at least a million dollars a year or more. Um, however, the challenge with that is that they're going through similar life things and kid challenges or marriage issues or financial issues. So there are those kinds of things. But I mean, I, I couldn't sit down and say, so uh, did anyone get hit with the recent penguin update or something like that? I mean, they're like, what are you talking about? Penguin Did a penguin hit me. And so it it was helpful kind of emotionally, but I I never had a sounding board or anyone to add. You always want to be looking for people that have been there and done that, that are succeeding at a higher level than you. Um, I mean, otherwise you're, I mean, kind of playing, playing the opposite game. So uh, what I loved about EO is that, I mean, there were a lot of most, pretty much everyone in the room was doing 5 million, 10 million. There were, one guy doing 40 million in revenue in different niches, but um, it just was good to be around that energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in terms of joining, uh, joined the course initially, and that's kind of how I, I went through that. I'm like, oh, this content's great. And then came down for the equivalent of a discovery day. I know now you're doing these killer two day events and things like that. But uh, back then it was one day and just got to see how much of a well-oiled machine that you had and really was more so the systems. I mean, I knew that I wanted to grow, but I knew that I needed to see what someone else that was succeeding at a higher level was doing. Mm. So what is, because if you're someone succeeding at a higher level, either they know more than you do, they are doing things more efficiently than you are, that there's something else that, that you can learn from, from that particular person. So, um, I mean, I think I committed to the mastermind and was one of the first, I don't know, 10 people or so in it at that point. Yep. And then obviously it's, it's evolved substantially from there. So it's, I mean, uh, critical insight there, guys. I mean, you, you want to get around people that are more successful than you. You want to try and you know, learn from people that have accomplished what you're looking to accomplish. It sounds like that's what, you, what you've done. So the key things you wanted were, you know, systems, procedures, how you could build this without kind of blowing yourself up. What things do you feel like you've implemented that have helped make that a reality for you here in the last, you know, especially the last 24 months or so? Yeah, I mean, the biggest stuff for me has been the swipe and deploy. Hmm. So, and I know that the Seven Figure Agency and and yourself and the team have put a much bigger emphasis on here's everything on a silver platter. So if you're in the mastermind, I mean, I know that you can get rights to leveraging your book, for example, or 
here you go, you can take uh, this webinar that I just did on paid traffic and here are all the slides. I mean, rebrand them for your niche. Here's all the emails, here's the click funnel opt-in. I mean, it, that kind of stuff, that, that's what slows me down and what slows most other entrepreneurs and digital agency owners is that we're, we're always looking to get in the weeds because we enjoy the weeds the most. Mm -hmm. and for most people. So it's like, oh, the thought of some of us getting in there and noodling around with click funnels is actually enjoyable. Right. Um, every one of us loves that, but um, I, I like to get in there and noodle around with Facebook ads. I know you do it, it as well. It's not the primary thing that you do, but it's like you like to still be, still kind of make sure you have your chops and that you can still be able to kind of challenge your team on these things as well. So, um, but it, with that said, I mean, the time to build out the landing pages, write the copy, do the slides. I mean, you're talking a month, two months, like it's, it'll get put down to the bottom of the priority list. So uh, the webinars, I, I use pretty much every webinar, if not all of them that you've put in there. That's been one of my favorite assets. Nice. Uh, here are the webinars, do a webinar a month. Here's all the swipe and deploy so that I can literally, I, mean, there, I could do a webinar in the next two weeks if I wanted, if not less. And the two weeks would simply be because I had to schedule it on my calendar and, and make sure I had enough time to blast the list, but it wouldn't take me two weeks to get everything ready. So uh, that piece has, has been really great. But even just the, I love being able to have access to people that have been there and done that. And that was, again, what I didn't have previously of, hey, is there a better way to do something? And it's not that we have to constantly try and find a better tool because I know that's also what a lot of us, we get into analysis paralysis when it comes to, well, what should we use SEM rush? Should we use spy Should we use Ma? like, and then you're spending, that's not the stuff that's overly important. But if you are in that spot of, Hey, I'm like, look like right now, for example, we're using agency analytics and it's, it's okay, but I can go on the mastermind and even I, I know what Josh uses. It's a great tool. I can go on there and say, not just what tools everyone using, but why do you like it? What's it good for to really just speed up that process? Because I mean, that stuff again, takes most of us, we could be analyzing CRM tools for months and that's just not the best use of our time. And if someone's already been down that path, you might as well leverage that that knowledge. No doubt. So, so kind of the swipe, deploy, shortcut, move things forward faster. were kind of the main, the main things for you that you've been able to execute. Yes. And also a lot of the checklists. I mean, you, you have some stuff in there about uh, some of the checklists, like the account manager checklist. And mm -hmm. I gave all that right to my account managers and said, go listen to this. Nice. Um, and follow that checklist. And so I think I've given a few people on my team access that in, in their particular role, my operations guy, go and go and watch this. Um, your on your onboarding stuff that I put right into Infusionsoft uh, to kind of have that red carpet onboarding experience, for example. I know that our team has that into practice as well. So uh, for me, it's it's if I can if there's a shortcut, um, that that's it's always the path I'm going to take. No doubt. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about how you wound up in the um, in the local childcare space. Like, how did you choose that niche? How did you kind of get into that? Um, so a, a lot of people say that the niche 
um, the niche chose you, but um, I kind of fell into it in, in a partnership with another gentleman in the mastermind. Hmm. Um, so kind of ended up, he said, Hey, this is a, a good niche to look at and ended up partnering and, and I ended up focusing on that particular niche. Um, have been in a couple other niches and uh, I think it's one of those where we're always questioning the, the niche. I know a lot of you are in that space that so we always think that uh, the grass might be greener in, in a different niche. And there are many days when I, I think that, but and I kind of smack myself around a little bit and say, well, how many, how many businesses are in that niche? How many do I have as clients? And you're like, well, you haven't even touched 1% of the niche, for example. So right. um, that's kind of how I, I moved down that path. Kind of stay, stay focused, right? Definitely. So can you talk a little bit about what your service offering looks like, like what it is you do for your clients and what, you know, kind of how you structure your service offerings? So our, our, um, our core program is paid traffic um, and, and we call it enrollments on demand. Hmm. And it, it's, we made this switch strategically to really focus on paid traffic. So we offer, SEO, we offer social media, we offer web hosting, web design. So we have all of those. And that's more of the legacy stuff that we have. Uh, but the only thing that we sell now on the front end uh, is the enrollments on demand system. So okay. it's a system, it's not just paid traffic, it's the system, it's the autoresponder emails on the back end, um, it, it's all of that stuff that they're getting. Nice. Uh, so that when we're going toe to toe with another agency, well, we've got all the historical data. We know what's working, what's not working. We can get results quicker. Um, and I, I know that you've posted a, a few things, but it, it def the agency game has definitely shifted drastically, even the last six months. Um, the shift's been going on for a lot, a while, but it's no longer can you just say I gave you a hundred leads. Like it's just that doesn't work anymore. Yep. If those, I mean, you can do it for a month or two and you can get in the argument with the client and they so well, I gave you three grand and you promised me 30, I don't know, 50 leads. And you say, well, I gave you a hundred leads. It's not my fault. You suck at closing leads. So that used to be able to, to work, but then you're going to churn and burn the clients. And we realized that most of our clients are massively impatient. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that isn't necessarily uh, a great thing with this particular niche is most people come to us when their enrollment is suffering. Mm -hmm. So they don't tend to come to us when they're doing really well and that they want to go to the next level. They tend to come to us when they are, have capacity for 120 enrollments and they're at 40 and 40 barely pays the bills. Mm -hmm. So it does put us into a tough spot, but they could care less about SEO working in three, four, five, six months. They, they could care less. They, they need uh, patience on demand, as it were. Yeah, they, they want or, the, the enrollments on demand. Enrollments on demand. Well, there were there are people that use this, uh, the patience on demand. That's uh, for uh, obviously another niche, but I've seen people use that phrasing. But uh, they want they want their phone to ring mm -hmm. and it does put some pressure i mean i in full transparency the the first couple of months can be dicey and i'm not in love with that pressure 
So that's why we're trying to continue to streamline the results piece and make sure that our paid traffic team is delivering on, on all cylinders, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But again, they, they, yeah, their website might look like crap, but they don't want, they don't, A, they might not even have the money. They get us a couple of enrollments and let's talk. Right. So that, that's really been our focus is not just getting them those leads, but then literally being on top of them. I mean, the status of that lead, how many times have you followed up? Uh, we've drafted phone scripts for them to use on the phone. So we're really trying to take our, our deliverables up to another level. Nice. I think this is what the smart agencies are doing, guys. You know, they're they're not just thinking about the leads. They're thinking strategically. How do we get the lead? How do we nurture the lead? How do we help them convert the lead? How do we hold them accountable to you know to have best practices and their follow through and their follow up? So you know, great great insights on that front. So the the enrollments on demand is the main thing. It's like a pay per click to landing page type strategy. Can you talk a little bit about how you price for those types of programs? Yeah, so, so we've, I mean, it varies based on the size of the center, one location, multiple locations, et cetera. Uh, but the starting price is $1,500 plus ad spend. Um, we've been playing around a little bit with um, a couple of different models. Um, there, there's another gentleman that I know does it in a different niche where he charges $9,000 for three months, including ad spend. Um, and then he kind of allocates the resources accordingly. So maybe $2,000 a month towards them and the other thousand for, for ads, for example. So we're exploring a few different options. Uh, but most of the centers that come to us are typically the $1,500 a month range plus ad spend. Uh, the challenge, again, for this niche has been that for a lot of them, that's actually a stretch. So if I were to come at them and, and say, you need to invest three grand a month of ad spend, it just, there are very few child care centers that are investing more than a few thousand dollars a month total. So uh, it's, it's a definitely a tough niche, but um, once you get them some enrollments, you help the center go from 40 enrollments to 60. Those enrolled, that's 20 enrollments times six, seven, eight, $900 or more a month times typically 10 months, potentially times two more years. If, if they come in at a year old or, I mean, they could come in at an infant and stay for five years. So mm -hmm. uh, the lifetime value could be substantial. To Big that. dollars. But, um, it's been typically the $1,500 plus ad spend. And then we'll upsell a website for a couple thousand dollars. For example, uh, we'll bolt on SEO if needed for 997. Uh, but we've been, trying to crank that $1,500 a month plus ad spend price point if they're a smaller center, one location, for example. Nice. Excellent. So that's, that gives a pretty good idea. We understand what the niche is. We understand kind of what the, what the service offering is. Now the question everybody wants to know is how do you land clients? How do you get these uh, clients attention? How do you, how do you convert them into these retainer based clients? Uh, so I'll tell you what I initially did, and then I'll, I'll tell you kind of what we're what we're currently doing because it's we're, we're kind of like pivoting and seeing kind of what's what's working better. So, um, so initially it was largely uh, cold email, okay. and we bought a list, and I crafted 10, 15 different emails, and bought another domain name because you'd never want to do it on your main domain name. So I follow that, the 
long out process of, of that. Um, I use the tool and still use uh, a tool called QuickMail, quickmail.io, and set up a Gmail email, loaded it in the messages, and literally had that thing start sending. And what I loved about QuickMail is that it does it in small batches and just does it on autopilot. So I, I typically, at least at that point, I took a much more salesy approach. Hmm. Um, can I help? If I could give you 10 more enrollments in the next 60 days, would that be helpful? If yes, reply with your, your phone number and I'll give you a call. Mm -hmm. I was doing one line, two line emails, very short and sweet. People were replying. I was calling and closing, doing the, the demo and, and from that. Um, we definitely have done a lot of webinars. That Those have been good lead sources. Um, and then we also started doing the strategy that you've been deploying, Josh, of allowing people to book calendar appointments even before the webinar. Um, so we use Appointment Core as our tool. And similar to a Calendly, for example, those of you that like to analyze 20 different tools, but um, that's a tool that I would just send it out. They could schedule right before the webinar. Uh, we have our process is discovery call, strategy session, and on the strategy session, we're doing the proposal. We do kind of that qualifying call first because mo most of these centers, they're just not qualified. They, they're too small or they're thinking this is going to be $300 a month or something like that. So um, we made sure that we built in. Otherwise, we were blocking off an, an hour on the calendar when it should have been 10 minutes. So right. um, that's kind of been our process, but cold email. Um, and the other thing that, that's really crushing it lately is paid traffic. I mean, we need to eat our own dog food. Um, so we're doing custom audiences um, to our our clients look alike audiences on Facebook. Uh, we're doing paid traffic on Google. We're doing paid traffic on uh, LinkedIn, for example. Mm. Um, so LinkedIn for most niches works really well. We, we found that the childcare owners really weren't using LinkedIn as much. Um, if they were more of the business minded person that had like multiple locations, they were on LinkedIn. But if they were, one location owner, they, they really weren't using LinkedIn much, but um, we finally started investing in paid traffic. And I, I think a lot of us, we don't eat their own dog food. And we're, we're here, sitting here telling our clients to give us $1,000, $2,000 of ad spend plus $1,500 a month. Yet none of us are willing to pony up $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 a month of ad spend. So we finally started spending some pretty decent money um, lead ads and also promoting webinars, promoting free downloads, and then just having those them in a nurture sequence. Um, we also rolled out, uh, just literally sent the first one. I, I wish I had the copy in front of me, but we sent our first magazine. Hmm. Um, and physical, physical mailed magazine. Nice. Mailed magazine with uh, the printer you recommended. Um, I believe yours is what plumber marketing. What is yours? The plumbing and HVAC marketing uh, profits newsletter. Got it. So ours is uh, local childcare marketing engage. I think you might've used the word engage. In yeah. Yeah. We actually, the other one is called engage. Yeah. For a yeah. client base. Um, so that was the, we leveraged the word engage um, strategically from uh, again, swipe and deploy stuff that you guys have done. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but all the content is ours. It took forever to get it out, but um, we finally sent that. So it, it's just, as I said earlier, that the game has changed quite a bit in terms of clients demanding more because there's so many agencies out there. I'm finding that it's also getting a little bit harder to convert these people. So we're having to come at them with paid traffic, cold email. Um, I just shot, that's the reason you can see the nice um, graphic behind me is because it's a green screen. So if I want to magically change to, to whatever, um, I am in here shooting videos um, now once a week. Nice. And going to deploy the strategy that I was teaching people like eight years ago of shoot video, get them transcribed using something like rev.com, post them as blogs, put it up as a podcast, use it as social media fodder. So similar to the comment earlier, we got to eat our own dog food. I mean, if we're marketing agencies, our marketing should be better than anyone else's. And if you're not updating your social media and you know, geez, I'd be embarrassed if they go to my website. It's one of these days, someone's going to call you out on that. I had someone call me out on that six or so months ago. You're telling me you, you should do social media and you haven't posted in four days. What do you mean I should do social media? Or you're telling me you can rank me in Google, but your competitor is beating you. Hmm. So investing a lot more in, in our own marketing. But paid That's traffic awesome. and cold email have been our two biggest, two biggest lead sources. So just trying to be everywhere they're looking, in their inbox, on their social feed, do you get involved in any of the trade shows or events? You mentioned speaking a little bit. Are you still getting some business from that? Um, we did. So I, I, we've got an event coming up in October. Um, we have joined a few industry associations in full transparency. I, I haven't pushed them as much as as you have and, and as you recommend. So I think there's there's not a lot of really – there's a lot of small associations. Mm. Um, but I do think that there's still a lot more that we could do. Um, the last event that I did – Last year, and the same one I'll be doing in October in Orlando, we picked up at least five grand a month of reoccurring. So, um, I mean, it definitely was, I mean, in one month it paid for the event and travel and, <coughs> excuse me, all of that stuff. So, I, I probably should do a lot more speaking. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do. So, and it, it is definitely a great way to, to disarm people and get them coming up to you. So it sounds like you've kind of embraced this whole idea that, yes, cold outreach is effective. You can, you know, kind of hit some, shake the bushes and get some people to raise their hands. But if you shift to a nurture on the back end of that, where you send emails and you send some direct mail and you add value by putting out good content and webinars and cheat sheets, you can really start to develop no like trust where, where these guys start to come to you pre-positioned to buy, where you wouldn't have that if all you had was the cold outreach play. Exactly. I mean, because unfortunately everyone and their cousin is doing cold email now. Yeah. So if it's, if you can go to info USA and buy a list for a grand, how hard is it for somebody else to do the exact same thing, load it into a, a third party tool, blast it, even if they get banned from the tool there, unfortunately these people are, there's, I mean, a lot of a bigger agent, like real big agencies that, we won't name any of those, but that have aggressive salespeople that are calling every agency or excuse me, every business in the U S saying your agency sucks or your marketing sucks or you're not on page one. And so unfortunately that a lot of these clients are getting so numb. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. that it, I'm realizing that if we're not everywhere, they're going to very quickly forget. Yeah. Good. Good. Great. And, great insight. The only thing I would add to that, though, is the piece that does separate most of us if we're following the niche strategy then from the noise is, yeah, it's great that that big agency is calling them, but my pushback is, and? So what do you mean, and? They're in 64 niches. What, what are they going to know about childcare? They might have three childcare centers. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you got a point there. So if you know your niche, you know the lingo, you tell them that the learning curve is non-existent. You have the social proof so that the niche piece, it, whereas a couple of years ago, I, I didn't, in my opinion, I didn't think it was as important. Mm-hmm. But now with there being so many agencies, the niche piece definitely does quickly differentiate your business. No doubt. Yeah. So we've had a good conversation around how you land clients, how you get them to kind of raise their hand. And it sounds like a very well-rounded approach, more well-rounded than it's been in the past. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you fulfill. So how many clients are we talking about? Several hundred clients or somewhere in that territory? Correct. Um, and you said a mostly virtual team. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you deal with the real, like retaining these clients and serving these clients and you know keeping keeping the ball rolling in a positive direction? Uh, so our command center is teamwork.com. Mm. So that really has all of our systems and processes. Um, we have a, a kickoff process when someone becomes a new client. So the whole send the gift basket and schedule, send the papers to have them fill out their intake forms, get the initial call set up. Uh, they're assigned an account manager. So I have a couple of different account managers. So we try and pick someone that's going to be most compatible and or whoever has the most appropriate load at the time. Mm. Um, and then they schedule that kickoff call. And from there, it really, the relationship is owned with the account manager. So they're, depending on the, the client, some of them we're talking to weekly, some of them we're talking to monthly. I'd prefer to be monthly, but we, at least in the beginning, we tend to have to do a lot of handholding uh, the first couple of months, especially if, if the center is not in a great spot and they need to do a, a bit of a turnaround there for us to say, we'll talk to you in 30 days just doesn't work. Um, so the account manager is scheduling that cadence and the account manager also serves as the project manager. So we've got people that are doing the paid traffic, people doing social media, doing copy, doing the websites, SEO. There's a team lead for each department. They report into our operations manager, who's also virtual. So he's kind of keeping the, the ship steering. Um, but also we do a lot of stuff with um, our daily huddles. So the Rockefeller Habits stuff uh, and EOS of the 10-minute daily huddles. So we do a 10-minute huddle. Um, it's actually now done by department. So traffic has their huddle. SEO has their huddle, for example. Design development have their huddle. We do a weekly meeting every Monday with the entire company. We share some good news. We do something really fun called Cheers for Peers. Uh, where each team member can send kind of positive messages and notes. Um, use a, a really a tool it's called Tiny Pulse that allows you to do that. Um, and then we kind of give depart- departmental updates. And then every Thursday we do a uh, uh, level ten meeting. 
a U.S. level 10 meeting where we're really focusing on um, solving issues. And that meeting, I, I actually look forward to the most out of all the meetings because we used to do a lot of talking. So, oh, our intake process sucks or, oh, or we're not getting consistent result, whatever the challenge was. There was no mechanism to solve it, right? It was just uh, complain, right? It was like, all right, well, Steve, you do that or you do that, whatever, but it, so that these level 10 meetings have been really good. Um, so that's kind of been our, our meeting cadence. Uh, and then we use teamwork chat, which is similar to Slack. So we're on that all day long. Nice. So there's a team room there where everyone says hello. There's a positive news room where we share wins. Um, especially in a virtual culture, you need to try and have some ways to maintain and and build the culture piece um, when you're not physically together. That's awesome. You shared some great insights there, like the command center being teamwork.com, communication, even though it's a disparate, you know, workforce, very, very like day-to-day -day communication on, on teamwork chat or Slack, uh, teamwork chat for you guys. And then the really the I think the meeting ritual, the daily huddles, the level 10 meetings, the departmental meetings are what make it work. Because otherwise, you just got a bunch of people sitting at their home office or wherever uh, virtually, and nobody knows what to do. There's no culture and there's no ongoing communication. So that's really the key, I think, that, that makes this whole virtual process work, right? And the other thing that, and I, I have not launched it this week in full disclosure, but um, one of the other things I'm going to be starting, I'm taking a few days off next week, but uh, I'll launch it the week after, it is a little room in Teamwork I'm going to call it tasks or stuff for Michael, for example, because I at least still as of today, and I'm okay with it, but at least as of today, I'm still the bottleneck on a lot of projects. Mm. So I'm on teamwork chat as well, but I, I, there could be 20 different conversations going on. So I'm going to have a room where they can put everything in there. And then I'm going to start having a 30 minute meeting once a day where I'm going to go through those and just crank out as many as I can live. A lot of them are, you owe me a password for this, and but you need to reset the eat, whatever. I mean, little, little things. And then that I prioritize as a zero, mm. but someone else, it might be an eight out of 10. Cause they can't do what they need to do next until you. I, yeah. I, I'm aware of everything that everyone's asking me. And I, I don't, it's not that I purposely ignore anyone. There's only so many hours in the day and I pick and choose what, what I can, can tackle. So um, a, as a way to kind of get back a little bit more into operations to kind of help speed some things along, I, I'm going to kind of slow down to speed up a little bit and just make sure that I'm answering some of these questions a little bit. Because sometimes I mean, there are some things that I know I was supposed to answer three, four days or they, somebody would have liked to have an answer three, four days ago. Um, so actually, no, I did schedule one for today and, and doing the first one today. So nice. Yeah. Try and take some kind of action. Very good. Great, great. I mean, great stuff. You know, you've got this virtual team, you've got a seven figure business going. Um, I know something you're passionate about is, is accounting and making sure your, your revenues and your profitability are under control. Something that most of us in the digital marketing space don't even want to think about, right? We just want to think, go get the money, you know, revenue, 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 revenue. The fact is, if there's no profit, it's it's kind of a wasted energy. Can we talk a little bit about that and kind of your unique insights on that front? Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the books that I know Josh uh, had recommended recently was Profit First. So yeah. I read the book when it first came out. 
and I don't know, within maybe a week or two, I, I had almost everything in practice. Nice. Um, I did it through a credit union. So I moved all of our, our stuff from banks to credit unions. And that was done for several reasons, but uh, credit unions are a lot, lot friendlier when you want to have 10 different accounts. So the big thing with profit first it is it, it's more of the system of when the money comes in, where does it go initially? And then how do you funnel it thereafter? And what should the numbers actually look like to see if you have a healthy business? So what I loved about the whole profit first system is, is literally it's all about these agencies that all of us have. I mean, yes, we're here to, to help serve clients and make other people money and, and help them grow. So I'm, I'm surely all about that. But the agency is also here to serve the business owner first. Yep. And I, there were a lot of, I mean, most of my colleagues or friends are agency owners. And a lot of these people are, well, I'm having to, they're telling me they're having to work a second or third job. And I'm saying, well, how do you, you're having to work a second or third job when your agency is doing half a million dollars a year? Well, my payroll's 400,000 a year. So what do you, right. so like all of these, these things. So I, so, well, let me see if this system actually works. So the short version, all of our income gets deposited into an income bucket. And then twice a month, based on certain percentages, I move money from income into the operating expense bucket, the profit bucket, the owner's pay bucket, tax bucket, and then kind of a rainy day slush fund bucket. So I've got certain percentages where I'll move the money. And the rule of thumb is that every one of those buckets needs to get money. And it's not, well, I think that I need, let's, I'm just making simple numbers here. Your business, let's say you're doing $50,000 a month in revenue. You might say, well, I, I know that payroll is going to be 40,000. Well, if I'm challenging you saying you need your profit buckets, the first one that you need to fill. And even if initially you're only moving 1% of that revenue, at least it's something, but you have to move something into your profit bucket you have to move something into your owner's pay bucket. Those are the two first. Then you can move into your OPEX. And based on the OPEX, that's kind of how I'm doing the tax numbers. Um, and I'm doing this twice a month. And the other cool thing is that when you move into your profit bucket and your tax bucket, I then, not only do I move it from one bank account to the other at that same credit union, then there's an auto transfer that literally comes in and takes every penny within a day out of that account. And I do it the same two days every month and it moves it to a different bank that is not that credit union. Because a lot of us, and I will admit this, the first one I used to do my first agency, all the money was in one bank account. I'd log in and be like, oh great, there's 140,000 in here, that, that's awesome. And then I'm like, and then let's just say it's November. Geez, I, I need like 75 grand for taxes, or um, I've got to pay a huge credit card bill, whatever it is. And you're, you had this false sense of security because you only were looking at a big number. And I know a lot of us, and it's not a, a terrible thing, but I, I know a lot of us are not ready come tax time. We have no money set aside for taxes, or you're hoping that. Um, it, 
again, I, I'm an open book. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, I had one client that would pay for the entire year in advance. I, I was counting on that. If that didn't come in, I didn't have enough tax money. So I'm like, you, that can't be the right way to be doing this. So this system has been transformational. I know that Josh, you and I are going to do a webinar later this month. Um, I actually ended up just for my own um, self. Initially, I became a profit first consultant and finally decided after talking with Josh and a few other agency owners that um, this would be a good path to actually go and help other agency owners. So we'll do a webinar, I believe later this month and kind of tell you the percentages and what your numbers should look like and benchmarking because there's ways to, it, it's not that if you're not hitting the numbers that everything is wrong, but it's what are some good numbers look like? And it doesn't matter the size of your business, it's the percentages. So even if you're doing $10,000 a month, if you're telling me that 90% of that is going to OPEX between software tools and your freelancers and et cetera, and I'm going to suggest to you that your OPEX should be 30% or 25%. It's not that you need to instantly go from 90 to 35, but it's what plan can we put in place? So next month is 80% and then you can actually move some money into profit because it has to, if you're not taking your profit and your owners pay there, there's really no sense to have an agency. No doubt. Yeah. I think it's one of the most powerful things that most of us overlook is this whole accounting process. So Love to hear from you guys in comments. If you're watching this now or after the fact, would it be really helpful if, if Michael put on a webinar that really explained profit first, how to set up those accounts, what the proper allocations look like, and gave you some support around really how to make sure your financial, you know, accounting is set up correctly for your agency. I see Danny's uh, hitting the, the plus button again and again and again. So thanks, Danny. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's door says spot on profit first. Yes, please put that together. Ricardo says that would be awesome. So yeah, tentatively, we've got this in the schedule for August 28th. So, you know, kind of block that in your calendar. Now it'll be at, at two o'clock. Um, yeah, someone said, grab me a triple, triple. Yeah, I'm, I'm guess sporting the, the channel, the green screens, uh, making it out, but it's a Tim Hortons, uh, double, double, but, um, <laughs> And the other cool thing with Profit First is that now I'm actually using it in my personal finances. So it's the same kind of concept of pay yourself first, but I do the same thing so that when my owner's pay filters into my bank account, that I'm putting, what do I need for my personal expenses? What am I putting for retirement? What am I putting for big? So it's same kind of methodology, but um, I mean, out of, from a financial standpoint, it's been the most impactful thing that I've ever done. Yeah, hundred percent. Likewise, on 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 our front. So I think that's awesome that you got that certification and that you're willing to share this with the group. So um, definitely, we'll get that we'll get that set up for you guys. So let's let's we're kind of kind of coming to the close here. Looking back, so you've had two agencies go to seven figures. One was a little bit of a struggle. I mean, it's always going to be work, but this one's going a little bit smoother. What would you say? There's like three key lessons that you've taken away in the second iteration that um, the other agencies can learn from? Sure. Um, I'll give them in no particular order. Um, so the one I'm sure won't be a surprise, but uh, one of the, the three is, is always be prospecting. And it, it sounds stupid. I mean, it doesn't sound stupid, but it sounds easy. I would challenge everyone that's listening live or re-listening to it to actually look at and I did this exact exercise, so I wouldn't challenge you anything that I haven't done. 
write down what you're doing each day, hour by hour. I mean, almost down at whatever, 10 minute increments, for example, and actually look at how much of that time is being spent prospecting. Mm. And it's not, I'm not saying you got to be cold calling. So that's not what I'm advocating here. I don't do any cold. I personally haven't done cold calling, um, but it's how much time am I going on LinkedIn and shooting out personal messages to owners of childcare centers? Am I ramping my paid ads up? Am I doing a, anything that's related to sales and marketing? Mm -hmm. Anytime that I have stepped away and I've done it a few times, all of a sudden the pipeline goes to close to nothing because I've taken my eye off that ball. That is, I mean, the most critical piece of, of the business. So that was definitely one that massively, massively powerful. So before we move off that point, you know, a hundred percent, there's like two things that matters the most, the number of strategy sessions you're having on a monthly basis. So if you're not having strategy sessions, you're not going to land new clients. You're not going to grow. Um, and, and the activities that drive strategy sessions, right? To the extent that you're not focusing on those two things, the, the growth won't be there. The revenue won't be there. The profit won't be there. So amazing. Number one, you said no particular order, but that's definitely uh, the right order there. All right. So let's go to number two. Uh, number two, it would be the the profit first stuff that I talked about. Um, I The first agency I never looked at. I looked at the numbers. I only looked at what was in the bank. Um, I never had, I never put money aside for profit ever. It was whatever is left over, if anything, at the end of the year after paying taxes was my profit. And for the last year and a half, two years, I've been taking my quarterly quote unquote profit slash dividends and using those for fun things and not absolutely not putting them back in the business. So fun things. I mean, I know I just went up to another training course today and invested some money, but that sure as heck didn't come from my profit. So the profits for going for family vacations and, and all, all that kind of fun stuff to actually recharge your battery and, and know that your agency's, I love sitting back saying uh, the agency paid for that through profit. Um, that would be number two. Yeah. So, I mean, on, on that point, like really the, the fact is somehow entrepreneurs are programmed to think, oh, I'm going to make money. I'm going to plow it back into the business. I'm going to reinvest in marketing. I'm going to reinvest in tools. I'm going to reinvest in whatever and thinking that that's the right play. But the fact is, if you don't make having a profit built into your into your day to day process, if you don't like make it a habit, it'll never happen. Right. And you'll just be making money without having any show for it. Well, there's uh, I think uh, Jay jokingly wrote. Oh, we're supposed to get paid for this? Cool. <laughs> All right, great stuff. Let's go to number three. Um, just to add one, one 10 second comment to that one. I mean, it, everyone says someday. And I have said for many, many, many years, and this was one of my first business coaches probably 15 years ago. Um, he said, I, I think I, he challenged me on something that I, I've been saying for six months that I was going to do. And he said, you've been saying this someday, 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 some like whether, I don't remember what it was, but you go, someday never comes. So it's, we're going to, we could keep telling ourselves, and, and there's different growth strategies and schools of thought. And you could say, pour every penny back. If you want to be a, a agency that's going to grow to a hundred million. And so if that's the path you're on, then you can take that path. But uh, I've been more kind of build a, a nice lifestyle business that, that can grow and scale. Um, the third one, um, and I don't want to use the one that everyone always uses, but um I mean, it's the riches are in the niches. And I, I never thought that. And I, I question myself often. Um, and I think it's part of the entrepreneurial ADD. But um, 
the, the riches are in the niches and the people that I am seeing that are, and it's not even, you might not have the biggest agencies. I don't think that you're going to, you'll grow the biggest agency by being in one niche, but you're going to have the higher profit margins. You're going to have more free time. You're going to be able to remove yourself from the business because you can actually build those systems at scale. Otherwise you'll, I mean, again, you could build a, a bigger agency by 20 different niches at $10,000 a month, for example, but you're going to be having constant headaches and you're constantly reinventing the wheel. So when I really did start focusing more on the niche, uh, that was really when things started to click because it, we can have a paid traffic campaign live in 24 or 48 hours. If you're coming at a new niche, let's say I wanted to take on a chiropractor, for example, I know a little bit about chiropractors, but I mean, it's going to take me weeks to set up the campaigns and landing pages and know what I can and can't do. And there's, there's no scalability. Then who on my team is going to have to know what languaging to use. I'm going to have to hire a copywriter I mean, all, all of this stuff. So uh, the riches, and I know it's obviously what you preach and have preached. Um, I, I'm definitely in alignment there. So those would be my, my big three. That's awesome stuff. I mean, I think those are, those are a great three. Thank you very much for sharing. So, as, I mean, as we wrap up, are there any other like nuggets that you'd like to drop on the group before we wrap up today's session? No, I mean, I, I think the, I think the only thing that I, I would probably just say it, it's about the execution. I mean, a, a lot of us, a, a lot of us talk. I, I used to be the same. I made this year my year of action. Nice. Um, I've been talking about getting an MBA for, for years. And even though I don't see immense value in being a business owner with an MBA decide, I'm like, no, I said this year is the year of action. So I'm doing that. Um, I was talking about hiring a salesperson said, stop talking, make it happen. So it's, you've got to be focusing more on the strategic action. I mean, it, words are, words are cheap. Stop talking about, well, someday you're going to get the CRM or someday you're going to, do text mess or someday you'll do a webinar. Um, it's not, you've got to work 90 hours. It's just, you got to be a little bit smarter in what you're focusing on. And that's, that's kind of been my mantra this year. And we're on definitely on track for another great year. So nicely done. Well, congratulations on taking action and for you know growing to seven figures. I know that this is really just the tip of the iceberg for you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to share with the group on your success, your struggles over the years. Um, I think a lot of tremendous insights here. People are posting in the group. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Really looking forward to the Profit First webinar. So thank you for doing that. For those of you listening to this now and or after the fact, be sure to, you know, to tag Michael on Facebook. Thank him for sharing. Uh, he's a super um, willing to share individual. So if you've got questions for him, I'm sure you can you can reach out to him. He'd be glad to glad to help. So, so that's a wrap. Um, Michael, thank you so much. Um, we'll see you guys uh, on a future episode of the, of the seven figure agency podcast. And uh, be sure to mark your calendars for that webinar and look for some communication on that front uh, later this month. Sounds good. Thanks everyone. Have a good afternoon. Thanks guys. Well, I hope you get value from this session. If you'd like more ideas, strategies, and techniques on how to more effectively grow and scale your digital marketing agency, I'd like to invite you to go to sevenfigureagency.com. There you'll find a training series completely free of charge that walks you through how we were able to grow our agency from zero to over $300,000 per month uh, in less than seven years and how we're adding clients on a consistent basis. So we walk you through 
you know, the quickest way to position yourself as the expert in a particular market and proven models to get customers coming to you pre-positioned to buy. So if you got value from this and you would like more, you can go to sevenfigureagency.com. There's a free video series for you there. Just get there. You'll enter your name, your email address, and you'll get access in the next couple of minutes. So thanks for joining us. Go to sevenfigureagency.com now, and we'll talk to you soon.